0: To football california versus the ncaa the nfl's meeting with tyree kill we got nfl playoff odds the top wide receivers of all time and some draft on draft it's matt and mellow holding it down for you happy wednesday morning
1: yeah i get to come in again connor still enjoying his vacation i hope that dude's just living it up i gotta figure out when i'm taking my vacation yeah say so you haven't taken one yet no days off for me i'm no here i am actually i i'm gonna go off the
0: rails here I am very lucky to get a lot of vacation days as part of my employment at Bleacher Report. But I don't have any time to use them. So it's like you guys, I mean, I think you guys did like two weeks worth of shows without me once. But it's like I have a very limited amount of time to use vacation. There's really a month left of summer for me and for you. And then it's like, well, it's football season. So we got to jump into it. So I I might be scheduling myself a little more
1: vacation when Connor gets back. Hey, if you got the days, use them.
0: Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you waste them. All right. Let's get into it. It's gonna be a fun show today, man. And let's start here. The NCAA has decided to take on the state of California, basically. Um, It's there's a lot of legalese, but basically, California may pass a bill that would allow players to make money off their likeness, which is what we've wanted all along. So college players would be able to make money off their likeness. The NCAA has come in and said, if you do that, we will ban you from postseason play basically. And not that UCLA and USC have to worry about that right now, because they're down a little bit,
1: but it's really like setting up a civil war almost in college football. It is. And I'm telling you, I'm almost, I'm here for it really. Oh yeah. Because, all the NCAA is doing, and I know that it's going to cause a lot of problems with players and universities. You should be able to be paid off the person that you are. And I understand that a lot of boosters are going to come in and they're going to start paying these college kids. And I don't, there's not a perfect system. No. But the way to handle it is not just saying, no, you can't make money off being who you are. That's just not fair. That's not how this world works, at least not here in America. <laughs> and I don't get it. So I'm here for it because I think. All of these California schools, if they just get together and start forming their own little league in California, it's going to be chaos. And I think it's going to work. And I think the NCAA is going to panic because you're going to lose four pretty big schools. You're going to lose USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. Those are four pretty decent universities uh, in all sports, football, basketball. And then you have a lot of other minor, little like Fresno State out there. Right. They UC can see Davis,
0: in. you know, San Diego
1: State, San Jose State. Right, you can make your own league. You can do league. a 12-team league. And say the first couple of years, like USC's printing money out there. They make a lot. Maybe they do some kind of profit sharing with the other universities and they pay some of these players for the first couple of years and then everybody starts making money, all the players would go out there. It's Southern California. You're getting paid. You get to go to these big universities. You still have your Cal and your Stanford for like good education. And then you have your USC, your UCLA for the athletics. It just, it would work. I think if the right minds got behind it and they supported it, I think this could take down the NCAA. And as a huge college football fan, I'm ready for it. I think the NCAA, it's ridiculous how they govern their student body. They And they have no really legislative
0: ability, the NCAA. like They they can't even investigate anyone. They can't subpoena people. I think the NCAA is actually a joke, and I would love to see this happen because, like you said, it would temporarily break the system, but that's okay because the Mm -hmm. system needs broken. It's like when free agency came to the NFL. It messed things up for a little bit, but then people caught on. People caught up. Look at the Cowboys and the Niners dynasties of the late 80s, early 90s. They figured it out. So it's going to be... Crazy if this happens. I really hope that it does because I want that system to break. And like you said, Mello, every kid who hadn't already like signed their LOI would be going to USC and UCLA because they can make money there.
1: And as soon as the NCAA realized that, it it would, it would completely break this system. Yeah. And it would. And the NCAA is one of the only groups still out there that that are living in the dark ages. They haven't changed. They're not adapting anything. I don't even feel like they're really working to do anything for their players. I thought a couple years ago when they formed a union, oh, I, the thought players, I thought it was Northwestern. Be great. That's what I was thinking. Northwestern tried this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and they were gonna like negotiate their own CBA. I don't what I don't want to see happen is college football go away and another league like the XFL start taking these players. You look at NCAA basketball, we're seeing a lot of good players right. already go overseas. You have a guy like RJ Hampton who's already come out and said, I'm gonna go play in New Zealand for a year. Then I'll go. We just
0: learned that's the second best
1: place in the world to live, right? So why not? And I think we're going to start to see that with college football players too. They're going to go to these other leagues like the XFL. Maybe they stay for three years, or maybe the N- or the NFL changes their rules. But I don't want to see college football go away. I need it in my life, so we need to make some changes. Yeah, exactly. I just wish the NCAA, but would- there's just too much
0: money. It's like with anything in the world. Like, why is this system so bad? oh, there's a lot of money that rides on it not Mm -hmm. changing. So that's why it's not going to change. I do want to shout out something that is changing, and I buried the lead here, but by the time you're listening to this, BR Gridiron will have launched. And this is a big deal. It's very important to me and you, very important to Connor, to the stick-to-football universe. It's very important if you're a fan of the NFL. BR Gridiron, Twitter account, Instagram account, but it's also an initiative from Bleacher Report that we're going to see football get promoted heavily and and it's like i know you're listening to this like you guys do a football podcast three times a week football is pretty important (laughs) how much heavier can it be it'll be heavier guaranteed it's going to be a ton of fun uh i'm really excited about what this means for my career i'm very excited about what it means for you and connor for this podcast but uh when you're listening to this Pull over on the side of the road, stop running on the treadmill, whatever you got to do. Get on Instagram, get on Twitter, follow BR Gridiron. Um, it's also, I'm going to be a lot more active in the Bleach Report app, answering questions, talking shit. So you guys are definitely going to want to download that. If you want more of me, basically, and there is more of me to give, then you want BR Gridiron and the BR app. I think, Mello, you need to get in there do some Q&As. That'd be great.
1: Hey, yeah, whenever they want me to. I'll uh,
0: talk to Paige. Get Mello in there doing a... Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a QA. a uh, you doing a QA would be amazing. I think it would stray away from football very, very quickly. Yeah. It'd be like, here's a 2019 college football preview QA. And people are like, What's your favorite barbecue sauce? <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I've get I've got some weird questions in the DMs before. Obviously, when we had a, a different segment on here, they happened all the time, but they still come through, like every once in a while. And be like, I know you guys don't do this on the show anymore. Still need it. Here's this weird random ass question for you. All right. The
0: NFL is going to be asking some random questions. They're meeting with Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, which is somewhat unprecedented because the Child Protective Services, uh, it's still, I believe they have closed this investigation. And there's, I, I hesitate there because there's been some ambiguity about what is happening with this investigation. I believe they've said it's a closed investigation. Uh, I know the DA there said it's a closed investigation, so maybe i right. crossing my wires. But the NFL will come to Kansas City to meet with Tyreek Hill. And th- this is interesting to me because I know a lot of people were upset with the Chiefs saying, why didn't they talk to his fiance to get to the bottom line of this? One thing I had been told when he was coming into the NFL, when Tyreek Hill was coming to the NFL, and I've heard this about a lot of other players, is NFL teams cannot question Uh, Someone who is deemed, you know, a defendant or a victim because it can be seen as intimidation or tampering. So, you know, if you're say you and I get a job run in the Texans, they have an open GM job right now. We want to draft a player who's been in trouble before we want to draft Puka Williams. We can't talk to anyone that he has had, you know, an incident with allegedly or proven because it could be seen as us intimidating or tampering with that witness. So the fact that the chiefs are going to come to Kansas city and meet with Tyree kill is interesting. I wonder if the league is going to try to interview his fiance. A lot has come out about this. And I just personally, I don't want to speculate. It seems like a terrible deal all around. A lot of people are at fault. A little boy uh, is, you know, not in a good situation. That's what matters most to me, but it it does seem like from a football perspective, we're going to get some clarity soon ish on Tyree kill.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been waiting for this. And like you said, the DA or whomever it was, they've said there's no case here for this first. There, this last incident they had. And honestly, like, I'll go on record. I think Tyree Hill is probably a piece of shit person. Like he's made some mistakes in his past. I'm not going to defend him at all. But this situation that they have right now, it seems. Very weird. There's a lot going on that nobody knows the details about. So I I think that's why the Chiefs and I think that's why the NFL has kind of stood back and said, we're going to let the justice system do their part and then maybe we'll come in. And it sounds like that's what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, it is. It is just a weird situation. And and I know a lot of fans are saying when or when is there going to be clarity? When will we know if he's playing this year? Um, and, and I think people want to know because he's one of the most exciting guys in football. I think people want to know for fantasy football reasons. Yeah. I think people want to know for we have to play the Chiefs this year and we don't want to have to mess with Tyree kill. So I, I think there's a lot of different angles that people are looking at this from. And I'll just say, like, I, I don't. I'm not going to have an opinion about this until the facts come out, and they probably won't ever. I, I have been guilty in my younger days of having an opinion about something, about a player, and the facts haven't come out. And I'm not saying that to deflect. I'm not on either, either side of this. I agree. If this, this three-year-old is getting abused, fuck them both. Put them under the yeah. jail. I'm okay with that. Um, but we kind of, we got to wait and see because even within the last month, it, it seems like other information has come out. And I, I do think it's like anything where both sides are just leaking
1: things. I do think that he's going to be looking at at least a four game suspension. You would hope. Even just for the recording that came out earlier in the summer, late spring, like I think he's going to be looking at a four game suspension at minimum.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be some mistime for Tyreek Hill. Has to be. Uh, the NFL came out with a study, or excuse me, a study came out, not the NFL's, that ranked NFL fan bases. And I I, I like things like this. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I thought I would take a look at it. And I really thought this was surprising. The The study basically hates Missouri because Kansas City <laughs> was ranked 31. And the former St. Louis Rams were ranked 32. Our adopted hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, was ranked
1: 30th. Now, I didn't even notice that. Like I, yeah, the I started for 32, were 30. got to 31, and stopped reading.
0: So it's this dude, and he's really smart because he's a professor, and he, he said that <laughs> Allegedly. he uses data, attendance, revenue, social media following, and road attendance. So I don't know how using that the Chargers
1: aren't 32. So basically he just said who has the biggest fan base, not the best fan base. Yeah. Because you look at social media following, okay, that's like numbers. I'm sure he's not looking at just interactions. And even if you are, that's still – quantity over quality yeah
0: so three measurements of fan engagement fan equity I don't even know what that means social equity and road equity fan equity focus on home box office revenues you can't get tickets to Arrowhead so I don't know how that happened and I was like Titans games are are sellouts like all, almost all NFL games are
1: sellouts unless you're the Chargers so again how are the Chargers not 32 and then you look at the social aspect of it the Browns fans are on Twitter constantly defending their team and I know it gets a little annoying for some people and trust me I've seen it because I hate their quarterback they are always in my mentions anytime I mention Baker Mayfield they come at me so I think the Browns are pretty active on social media they're at number 27 on this list yeah
0: I don't agree with that either and I will say this um, some people asked me recently or there was a tweet recently it was like who are the two worst fan bases I replied Florida state and Cleveland. I didn't mean like you have shitty fans. i meant the fan bases. I least like to interact with because they're both like rabid. If you blindly say,
1: support their yes, teams,
0: I, Brown's fans supported Sashi Brown. They didn't win a game in two years. <laughs> they even thanked him after he was gone. Right. So for me, like that's why I, I know there've been questions like, how could you say that? And I just don't care to defend myself on Twitter because who has time for that? But that was it. It was these are the fans that I, I really don't enjoy them getting in my mentions. It used to be Jags fans. Now it's Browns fans. But I thought this study was just crazy. It's like when you see those maps of like these are the most popular fast food restaurants in this state. Yeah. And you read the very small asterisk and it's like based on, you know, drive through attendance or something like that. And it's like, no, Whataburger is most popular fast food restaurant in Texas. It's not Burger King. Like it's not, it Just get out yeah. of here with this stuff.
1: And now, obviously, like I think the Cowboys probably do have the biggest fan base and social media that they, they labeled probably. themselves America's team in the nineties. And I do think they have a very large following. They're probably the most popular team. even if you look at like dollar amounts there. So I, I don't have a problem with them being number one. I think the Patriots at number two, they brought in a lot of fans over the last 20 years and they're very diehard football because you have like 20 Super Bowl wins. So I'm good with that at number two. A lot of the top teams, I do think they deserve a spot in the There are top. a lot of the legacy teams, though. Mm-hmm. You know, Eagles, Giants, Steelers, Packers, Bears. Yeah. Even, like, the Broncos, they do have a good following, too. The 49ers, the, the Broncos Saints.
0: have this geographical advantage where they just own the Mountain yeah. West, basically. I mean, that whole area. like From Utah to Kansas. Yeah. I mean, people in Montana are Broncos fans.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, up, too. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Until like, you get down to, like, the Arizona area. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, but I did, I'm did. a little pissed off that the Chiefs are so low.
0: And that the Seahawks are, like, in the middle. They're 15. I don't understand that either. The two loudest stadiums in football in those teams are ranked yes. in I mean, the bottom half. Where's that in your data? Right. <laughs> How are Raiders fans 17? Jesus. Bills fans are 19. This study is shit. We're going to do our own. We your should. own study, because this is not. And we're going to go to every stadium to do it. <laughs> there we go. Tailgate tour hits 32. Let's take a break, Mello. When we come back, we're going to jump into these NFL playoff odds that Caesars released. And I'm going to tell you where my money's going, because I've already picked out a sleeper team. It's never too early to bet on the NFL. We talked about that last week with the MVP odds. We told you where to put your money. Drew Brees, that's where you should put your money. Now it's NFL playoff odds time thanks to our guys at Caesars Palace and no surprise at the top but I'm going to tell you some of the we are going to tell you some of the the surprises some of the underdogs but the favorites overwhelmingly so the New England Patriots at negative 850 which basically
1: means they've already made the playoffs yeah you are just losing money if you bet on that like I, yeah, There's you no can't way I money. would put money on that mark because they probably are going to make the playoffs for one. And then just, I don't know, if you bet on the Patriots to make the playoffs, you it's just a push. Don't put your money there. The difference there is like almost 500 points between them and the next team, which is the Kansas City Chiefs at negative 380. That's, that's and I, say,
0: I I know we might have some fans who aren't into betting, some listeners who aren't into betting. So the most simple way to say this is, to win $100, you would have to bet $850 on the
1: Patriots. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you really want that $100 and you have the $850 to put against it, it is going to be safe. But man, if they like, if, if Tom Brady gets hurt, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I wouldn't put my money on that one.
0: Yeah, it's cr- and then, like you said, the Chiefs are the next best team and they're like five hundred dollars uh, essentially behind the Patriots. The Rams come in at third. They're negative three thirty. The Saints negative two seventy five Chargers negative two ten Eagles minus two hundred Colts minus one seventy five. So those are the teams expected, basically the top seven teams in the NFL. And then there's a little bit of a dip. And this one is the surprise. This is where I wanted to start. The Cleveland Browns. At negative 130, the Browns are like eight overall, basically, is what Caesars is saying. They're the eighth most likely team to make the playoffs, not to win a Super Bowl. Good for the Browns, dude. It's been a long time coming. It's
1: been a very long time, and they are the top team in their division. The Steelers come in just a little bit below them. Uh, So I I do think that the Browns are going to have a very successful year. I do think the playoff drought is going to be over and that they will make the playoffs here. But I could also just see this thing exploding before the season even starts. I'm actually kind of rooting for the Browns. I want to see their streak end. I like a lot of their players. I think they make the playoffs this year. I know I've even gone on record before. I think they'll win 10 games, which will put them in the playoffs. I think they win the AFC North. I do, too. I think the Ravens could be good, uh, or people will figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson and make him throw the ball, which could definitely happen. The Steelers, they— they are going to have to replace Antonio Brown, and I think that they'll do okay there. But there's still there's questions on their defense, too. And then on paper, the Browns look like maybe the best team in the AFC, which is crazy because the Patriots and the Chiefs are both in there, too. But just on paper, they look unbeatable.
0: Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, let's keep it going here. The Bears. Are are negative 125, Steelers negative 110, and then the Packers are even. So that's your push mark is the Packers. And that basically rounds out the teams that Vegas thinks will make the playoffs. If you take the top 12 teams out of here, that's essentially what you're getting.
1: Yeah. And I don't think there's really any surprises. Maybe the Browns, uh, except for me, because I think they're going to be successful. One team that maybe shocks a lot of people is the Seahawks, I think, are kind of low. They're plus 140. A lot of people talking about Russell Wilson. He's better than Andrew Luck. All that business. I I think they're kind of low for a team that a lot of people like.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a lot of questions about the defense. You know, they've, they've mm. like now you lose Earl Thomas, you lose Frank Clark. There's a lot of turnover. Your that's receiver been there, right. The Cowboys are a buck one ten. Vikings plus one ten as well. The Falcons are plus one forty. So those would be like your wildcard teams. You mentioned the Seahawks. So they're the Texans surprise here plus one fifty. And I think that they're a team that is... And maybe I'm crazy. And I know I've been talking about this a lot lately. I just think Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt and New Hopkins, I think they're good enough to win you a lot of games. I know the offensive line is going to be young. There's going to be a lot of turnover there. But this is a good club. The Ravens, plus 185. The 49ers, my team, plus 230. And this is actually... I think, where they belong. About the middle of the road. Do you remember last summer, there was so much hype. Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to win the, the NFC West. Garoppolo I think you were leading grade. that charge. Yeah, I remember. I, I believe I was. This year, I firmly believe they are an 8-8 eight and eight team. I think last year, I said 9-7. and seven.
1: Uh, I think I, I came off the it. The verdict's still out on me for Garoppolo, because I do think he played very well in those five games that he was healthy. But then what we saw in limited action last year was not good. So I do want to see what kind of quarterback he's going to be. A lot of those guys who have sat behind Brady and I know you expect them to like, OK, they're going to be great. They've had that Belichick tutoring. They've worked with Brady. A lot of them don't turn out to be that good. And I think Jacoby Brissett, he could still maybe do something. But right now we just don't know about these guys. And history will tell us Ryan Mallett. They're <laughs> not going to be that good, even if you pay him a lot of money. None of them have found success. Matt Castle was decent for one year. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which is what Garoppolo has done so far. The Niners' defense is so
0: good that I think that could make up a difference. You have the Jags, Panthers, Titans, Jets, Giants, Bills, Broncos, and then here are my two sleeper teams. If you want one NFC and one AFC sleeper to put some money on, if you got if you got a hundred, if you have two hundred dollars laying around, I want you guys to do this take a flight to Vegas, or I don't even know if you can bet online, depending on where you live, put $100 on the Lions plus 425 and put $100 on the Raiders at plus 500 because I don't understand the disrespect for these two teams. The Lions still have Matthew Stafford. They still have Carryon Johnson. They have a pretty good offensive line. They have a coach that needs to win. They've drafted well. You're going to get impact from this draft class. I think the Lions are a smart bet. You've heard me talk about the Raiders a ton. I don't get this because they plugged every hole on that roster except for one corner spot through the draft and free agency. I don't know if people just are completely out on John Gruden, which I can actually somewhat understand. He hasn't proven himself, but the Raiders just seem like a much better team than they're getting credit for. It just it, I don't know what their season over under total is, but I would crush that over.
1: Yeah, and with me, uh, I agree completely with the Raiders. Like, if I had to bet on one of these lower-end teams, uh, just looking at them, it would be the Raiders because I think that they are a good team. And Carr has been surrounded with not-so-great talent and people that needed a change of scenery like Cooper. I think they could be very successful, too. I think, you know, putting Antonio Brown on that team, I do think they drafted well, and I think they drafted for guys that are going to come in and perform right away. There's no sitting and waiting for these edge rushers that they have or the other players that they picked up. They went out, they drafted winners that can contribute on day one. So I think they're looking for success right now. With the Lions, I like the Lions too. I like Stafford. That's one hell of a division. Might be the toughest one in football because you have the Vikings who have been very good and everybody thought they were one quarterback away and then they went and got their quarterback. So we'll see how that works out in year two with them. I mean, the Packers and the Bears – could be two of the best teams in the NFC. So I think they are going to be very tough. And that's why you see the lions so low. They're going to be the fourth team in that division. Somebody has got to lose games. And I think it's going to be them.
0: Do I need to remind you, they drafted TJ Hawkinson and Isaac Nata. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> no, still... being, being facetious. Yeah. I I don't know that they're gonna make that much of a difference, but someone has to go every year. There's always a worst of first. There's always a surprise. Yeah. I think those two teams could be the surprise. Cause like everyone's in on the Browns,
1: obviously. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, like, a surprise team for the NFC, God, I mean, I think your Niners might be a pick, just judging off. Like, defense is so Garoppolo good. If Garoppolo does start to do what he was supposed to do or what he started a couple of years ago, I think he could be very good. Other than that. You might be right with the Lions. If I'm picking a surprise team, like I could see the Vikings falling apart, Kirk Cousins not working out. He wasn't that good last year. I could see Aaron Rodgers in that offense not being successful with their new coach. And maybe you say Trubisky takes a dip and he is not the quarterback everybody thinks he's going to be. Then maybe you start talking about, yep, the Lions are going to be there to swoop in and win this division.
0: Yeah, It's going to be a fun season. Uh, This is the most excited I've been for an NFL season. Since Kaepernick was with the Niners. Since they had a quarterback. Right. Yeah, I mean, really, is like, because the last few years for me have just been like, I mean, it's been a lot of work, obviously, but it's also been like, I don't even get the joy of, you know, like, oh, my team's competitive. It's just been like, God, we suck and can't get the first pick. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't know about that. So that does have <laughs> to be very rough because as long as I've been a Chiefs fan, we've been making it to the AFC Conference Championship. Yeah, wow, well, that whole year you've been a Chiefs fan. Yeah, it's been a long time waiting. Uh, yeah. All right. All right let's <laughs> it take... is going to be an exciting year, though. Because storylines, I think maybe this is Tom Brady's last year. The Chiefs coming back with year two. Can Jared Goff really keep advancing like he is? The Saints, you look at them. They're at the end of their career with this run. The Chargers are Eagles getting Carson Wentz back. There's a lot of good storylines for these top teams.
0: Yeah, and then you even have like the Cardinals who, by the way, they're at plus 1100 So if you're feeling crazy and you think the Cardinals can make the playoffs, put $100 on it and you could win 1100 I put a house payment on it. Know, I'm trying to do the math. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. I'll do that math in my head. When we come back, I might have just put a bet on the Cardinals. The trend continues ranking the best players of all time. It's been a little spread out. I think we had a draft on draft question asking about quarterbacks. We we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this all the time. And then we really hadn't until We had, last took a week. little
1: gap. Then we did the running backs. And now we're going to jump into the receivers, too. Let's take a break. This one might be easier to do than the running backs, except for we agreed on the top five running backs. We have some differences here. Yeah. Uh, but if we want to just go ahead, jump right into this thing, there's absolutely no debate who number one is.
0: I was going to say, if there was debate about who number one is, I was going to, I, I'm ready to fight someone.
1: I don't. I honestly, like, I don't know how anyone could look at these numbers and have seen these guys play and say, Jerry Rice isn't the best receiver of all time. I agree. I, I, I don't think it's close. I don't either. And I'm sorry, Peter King, if you're listening. I know you told us Don Hudson, but you're drunk or high, <laughs> Peter. I don't know what's going on. Jerry Rice... I think the only argument you can have with Jerry Rice is, is he the best football player of all time? Like, it's him versus Brady, in my opinion. That's the only reasonable argument you can have with Jerry Rice. I think it's Brady. I do, too, because the Super Bowl rings. Yeah, and just the
0: dominance. I mean, it, they're about the same amount of time of dominance, but um, Jerry Rice is my all-time favorite football player. It was the only time in my life I've been... Afraid to introduce myself to someone and it did not go well. I just want to say that. And, uh, but I, as a player, it's just something about how good he was. There, he,
1: are, there are three main categories receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. If you look at where he's ranked, it's number one in every single category and the gaps are ridiculous like thousands of yards. Difference. Oh, yeah. Almost, let's see, about 6,000 yards between him and the next guy which is crazy about 200 receptions between him and the next guy and touchdowns, just like 40 touchdowns between him and the next guy. What he did, you cannot deny. He's the best receiver of all time. And that's why he's number one on both of our lists.
0: Yeah. He's also the, the NFL's scoring leader for position players. It's say kickers out of there. Cause it's not fair, but touchdown leader it's Jerry Rice. So I think he's number one, number two, I think could be open for some debate, but I believe it is Randy Moss. For all the reasons you mentioned, uh, 982 catches, um, just amazing career. What he did with that year with Tom Brady was just crazy. 23 mm. touchdowns, 98 catches. He came out of the gate just amazing out of Marshall. Unfortunately, like his career ended a little bit prematurely. He was 33 his last year uh, once he left New England, you know, went to... I think I went to Minnesota, played with New England, went to Tennessee, just never really, never really became anything that last year in 2010. But um or no, I'm sorry, he played for the Niners for a year. Jeez, I forgot about that. I don't that. even
1: remember what happened to him after the Patriots.
0: Uh he ended up with the Niners for a, a bit. Um he retired and then came back. So but he just he never really had the juice
1: anymore. And he so. had some down years with the Raiders. I don't remember how long he was there, but two years. Two years in it, they were bad years. It was so bad that they traded him for a fourth pick. I know we've mentioned that a million times. Yeah, now, so when you look at numbers, I think that you could debate who number two is, but just watching him on the field, I think he might have been the hardest receiver to guard of all time. Like his speed, his length, all you had to do was his throw the ball body deep, control, and like he could run under it, he could outrun everybody. And he was such a long strider, he didn't even look that fast, yeah. but he was. It was just impossible to guard him. Uh, number three on the list
0: is where we're going to have to disagree.
1: And I don't know why. (laughs) I know I have Larry Fitzgerald. And when you look at Larry Fitzgerald, you look at these numbers again, uh, and numbers don't tell the full story because obviously Randy Moss isn't, he doesn't have the numbers that Fitzgerald does. But Fitzgerald is third all-time in reception. He'll be second very soon. He's second all-time in yards already, and he's sixth all-time in touchdowns. And he's done it, I think, with some pretty mediocre quarterback play. He had Kurt Warner, who I think was great. He had Carson Palmer, who I actually think was just okay. He made it to one Pro Bowl during his time with the Cardinals. And he was throwing to Anquan Bolden and Larry (laughs) Fitzgerald. Those are two great receivers from this generation. And he was a decent enough quarterback. So I go Larry Fitzgerald here. I don't think he is appreciated enough.
0: Yeah, I agree. I have Fitzgerald on my list, but not at three. This is where I put Don Hudson. And I know Mm -hmm. you hate this because you're like the numbers aren't there. This is just like why we disagree about Johnny Cash. Don Hudson changed the wide receiver position. And to me, that requires an acknowledgement of how good he was. Three-time NFL champion, eight-time first-team All-Pro. He was a league MVP twice. I mean he he made the wide receiver position what it is today, basically.
1: Yeah, for me, and I'm not it's not even about numbers. I think the guy was even a two-time MVP. It's that I have no idea who he is. So for me, I can't put him on this list because A, I don't even know who he played for. I don't know what number he wore. I never saw him. I never saw him on highlights. So like I went with just a more recent list. I'm sure that he was great, but I just I never saw him play. I didn't even know who he was until like two years ago.
0: Yeah, he also played kicker, and he also played some defense. Yeah, like year he led the NFL in interceptions like and catches, I think.
1: And I think if you say like he was the first go-to receiver, he was the first guy that created the position, I actually think he's an outlier. I think Jerry Rice created the number one target, the receiver, because if you look at afterwards, nobody was like, damn, we got to get a receiver in here. Look at what Don Hudson's doing. It was when Jerry Rice got there, everybody was like, holy shit if we had a good receiver like this, we need to go find one. We need to use him with Don Hudson. It was just like, well, that guy's doing it. Nobody else is. We're going to keep running the football.
0: I think he's like the Mickey Mantle. Again, I don't know because I, I didn't watch him. Okay. Well, that's number three on my list. Number four, this is where I have Chris Carter. I, I think sometimes with like numbers, like you said, with Chris Carter, you can't just look at the numbers. He's six all time catches really good career. Um, but, kind of lost some of his early years with the Eagles, um, goes to Minnesota and just becomes a god. I mean, really, his first four years in the NFL are pretty pedestrian, and then he just turns it on once he gets to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and I didn't appreciate Chris Carter enough when he was playing. I always thought he was kind of a douche. I don't know. I just didn't like him. But, man, he was good on the football field. His hands and making some of these catches, like him and Odell are up there for probably the best hands ever. like Just the circus catches that he could do over the middle. Very good receiver. I loved him. And, you know, you look at this this roster here. The Minnesota Vikings at one time had three of my top five receivers. They had Randy Moss and Chris Carter together. And, oh, by the way, Larry Fitzgerald was on that field too. He was just like a 10-year-old ball boy. So three of the top five receivers at all time. At one time and they when
0: Chris Carter, um it's like ninety-four and ninety-five is like peak NFL for me. I you, basically you can ask me anything about the NFL those two years, and I can tell you he had 122 catches in ninety-four, and he had 122 catches in ninety-five. I always thought that was like the coolest stat ever, that he had back to back the same amount of catches. And that's like not it's
1: a good amount of catches, but for back then, it was ridiculous. Like oh, you was, caught a hundred record balls, it was it was crazy. And now like hundred catch receiving that's a good year but you still might not be like top five. Number four on your list. Who does this go Number to? Number four, I went with Terrell Owens. If you could have reigned him in as a personality, I think that he was one of the most gifted receivers that we've ever seen. With his size, his speed, uh, learning under Jerry Rice for a couple of years, I, I actually think the reason why he's not on your list is because his days with the 49ers. Like As weird as that sounds, I think his days with the 49ers made you not like him. Yeah, I don't like him. I, don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I really, really don't like him. As a person, I, he was a good receiver. I remember the T.O. who dropped a lot of passes and had alligator arms and was, like, afraid to go over the middle. He regained himself that one catch against the Packers in the end zone where he just got smacked and he's, like, crying. His mm-hmm. game-winning touchdown. It was a big moment. But I, I just, yeah, I don't like him. I don't like how he was with the Cowboys. I don't like how he was with the Eagles. So he's one of those dudes that— and. I love uh, outlandish players now. Like I think Jalen Ramsey's hilarious. I love Odell.
1: I just didn't like T.O. because it felt malicious. And yeah, like he attacked Donovan McNabb. Yeah. And, and the working out in his driveway and all that other shit. Not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony. Like This guy probably really barely got into the Hall of Fame yeah. the last time around. And then you're going to make a joke of it by not going. Like, for me, if you're not dead, you either have to go or you're not in. Yeah, that's
0: exactly how it should be. So uh, that's number four for you. Number five, two players that have already been mentioned. I went Larry Fitzgerald here. It His numbers are incredible. My only argument
1: with him, I don't know if he's ever been the best receiver in football. I think there was, like, you could debate him early or mid-2000s with him and Andre Johnson. Yeah, maybe. But even then, I think Andre Johnson might have gotten a nod just because he was seemed a little bit faster. Larry Fitzgerald's just been a guy who's always kept his name out of the news. He's showed up. Incredibly consistent. Done his job. Been good. You don't see him do a lot of interviews or anything like that. Kind of a quiet guy, and maybe that's why he doesn't get the appreciation.
0: Yeah, but I mean, since drafted in 2004... Until now, I don't know that he's ever been the best. Now, his consistency, his longevity, that all deserves a ton of praise. Like, that Mm -hmm. doesn't get looked at enough. And the fact that, you know, the guy was 33, he led the NFL in catches with 107. The next year, he had 109 at 34. So he's beating Father Time in an era where 30 is kind of the breaking point for a lot of receivers. After that, you see guys get old and washed up pretty quickly. He's just out there continuing to do it so I, I love Fitz he is to me the consummate professional like that's how you handle yourself if I if I were a coach like talk about Odell like Larry is the polar opposite of that and it's okay both can work but I love the I'm gonna catch the ball and I'm gonna hand it to the ref
1: like, yeah he just get too and he's so big and I don't know. He's one of my favorite receivers, and maybe I'm overvaluing him at three. But I really like what he does on the field, how he handles himself. Like you mentioned with T.O., like there's a big difference there. They're polar opposites. Are there any like honorable mention guys that we missed? Yes, I think Tim Brown
0: deserves honorable mention list. I loved him. Too. Um, Marvin Harrison. Not the greatest person off the field, it sounds like, which I had no idea about as a player. Never would have guessed he's it when he was fifth playing. all-time in catches, um, third yeah. all-time for receivers because Tony Gonzalez and Jason Whitten are
1: up there messing things up. Um, <laughs> right? Like Honestly, though, you look at Tony Gonzalez, he almost needs to make our list. We almost need to talk about him. Because, he's amazing. Yeah, the numbers that he's put up as a tight end, he's second all-time in receptions. He's the greatest tight end I've ever seen. Ever. I, I, I know people are going
0: to be like, oh, a Gronk. Nope. It's Tony Gonzalez.
1: No. And like Gronk, yeah, very gifted athletically, but Tony Gonzalez was better. Like he, and he changed running, the position. Yeah, the way he caught the ball, he could take the top off in the seam. Like, you see what Gronkowski's done the last couple of years. That body couldn't hold up over time. I think you have to argue that. So I don't think there's any debate. Tony Gonzalez, I think easily the best. One thing
0: that's hard with ranking wide receivers is, like, I'm looking at the top 25 leaders in catches. If they're all current to recent guys like Art Monk is probably Mm -hmm. the oldest player on there. His career ended in 95 and he's 20th all time in catches. I believe there was a time where he was the all time catch leader and now he's been passed by 19 people.
1: Yeah. I mean, Wes Welker is 22 on this list,
0: right? So it's like, it's, you can't just look at the numbers because so many guys are going to be up there who don't deserve to be like Michael Irvin, 39th all time. And I would say he's probably a top 10 receiver. Oh yeah, I, I would agree with that too. So I think you just you can't solely focus on numbers. Your guy Herman Moore, fifty-two all time in catches, he's a great receiver back in the day. So it, it does become difficult where you have to maybe look at more than just numbers because unfortunately, like we're in a past happy era where like, a lot of guys are catching a hundred plus balls a year and that, that used to be two seasons. What do you think about Calvin Johnson? Because I feel like oh. people on Twitter are gonna mention Calvin Johnson. I think if we were ranking talent, like traits, yeah. he would be up here. But if you're asking me who the best receivers
1: to ever play football are, he doesn't make the list for me. And I would argue that take out his size and his combine numbers. Do people still talk about Calvin Johnson like they do? He if had he that one six, year. Five, 240. If he were six one, 210, yeah. would we still be like, oh, holy shit, Calvin Johnson? The,
0: was it 2012? He caught almost two thousand yards. To me, that was the year Stafford also threw for five thousand. So it's yeah. like, but he only caught five touchdowns that year. That always blew my mind. How are you going to catch one hundred and twenty-two passes and five touchdowns? So I, I don't know what Calvin Johnson. I good. like,
1: I like, really him, good. But I think if you took out his size in this, oh my god, he's such a freak. People wouldn't talk about him as highly as they do. Yeah, and he didn't last very really. long. Eight yeah, years. Yeah, two thousand seven to two thousand fifteen is as long as he played.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think Julio is better.
1: I do, too. I Like, he as a gifted athlete, what he can do, and again, not to keep harping on it, I don't want to feed a fed horse, but Calvin Johnson, everybody just saw, this huge guy that looked like a tight end that could run a 4-3, and they freaked out over it. Very good receiver. I think you could argue that he was one of the best in the NFL during his time, but I, I think he gets overrated because he was so big.
0: Let us know who's missing. What do you agree with? Tweet us at stick to football or hit us up in your iTunes review. We'll be back with some draft on draft. Do not forget before you're done listening to the podcast today. I want you guys to do me three favors. Go to Instagram, follow at BR gridiron, go to Twitter, follow at BR gridiron. If you're still on Facebook so that your mom can keep up with who you're dating, or you want to see pictures of your nieces you can find the BR Gridiron page. Three platforms, three ways to keep up with everything that we're going to be doing. While you're there, go ahead and like Stick to Football, too. It's at Stick to Football across all channels. It, that Facebook one felt very
1: personal. That was me. me. That was basically me. Okay, yeah. Keep up with your nieces. Like, Who's that guy? See, I have so me. Mom can see who you're dating. Okay. Well, I'm, mom knows who I'm dating, but that's...
0: That's what I meant, keeping up with me. Let's do some (laughs) draft-on-draft questions. A lot of fun ones. Our guy Kyle Krusevsky. I don't know how to say your name, Kyle. Which great NFL wide receiver has had their career success handicapped the most by mediocre to bad quarterback play, past or present? My vote would be A.J. Green. This is very topical because we're doing the top five receivers of all time. I think A.J.
1: Green is a really, really good one. Larry Fitzgerald, you mentioned probably a very good one as well. Yeah, and even he had like some Pro Bowl quarterbacks with him. I re- I agree with you with the AJ Green talk because he was one of my favorite receivers. Probably still is one of my favorite, and he's been playing with Andy Dalton. Like he is he's not been great for throughout his career. Another one that I would mention is uh, Andre Johnson. We talked about a little bit before too. Like he never really got it going with any good quarterbacks. He's probably played with like eight different ones. And I think he was one of the best receivers, at least talent wise. I would have liked to have seen him get to play with more talented quarterbacks and see what he could really be in a good system.
0: The most obvious answer here though, it's Herman Moore.
1: The dude had to play with Scott Mitchell. Yeah. Scott Mitchell. Yeah, you had Herman Moore and Barry Sanders and still like couldn't get to the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. Herman Moore was my guy for those of you listening who don't get that like I loved him as a kid he was one of my favorite players and I don't think that he we ever saw his max potential
0: you know another underrated one unless I'm being just obtuse here Andre Johnson you said him right mm. okay you said Andre Johnson uh, there's someone else I had on this oh Brandon Marshall
1: yeah just
0: physically gifted and <laughs> never got so on many
1: years him. with Jay Cuddy
0: that right he played. just ruined
1: him just <laughs> wore him down does Julio make this list? I mean, Matt Ryan's good. Right. I, I do think he's another guy that maybe gets a little bit overrated because he was drafted high. He's been pretty good throughout his career. He's I mean, they made it to a Super Bowl. They were very good that year, but they also had a lot of good weapons on offense.
0: Yeah. Keyshawn Johnson. No disrespect to Chris Sims. I think they were together, <laughs> but I meant like with, with the Jets, you know, like, oh, Neil O'Donnell.
1: Right, right. It's, it seems like more of an old-school problem. New school it is, definitely. A.J. Green. Oh, for sure. Like, I can't think of any other receivers right now. A.B. with Derek Steve Carter. <laughs> Smith. Who'd he have at quarterback? Uh, he had Cam Newton for Jake a little DeLome. bit. Jake I guess DeLome. they were they actually played pretty well. Yeah.
0: No one's going to hear that A.B. joke I made, so that's good. Let's oh, move on. Bad. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like Odell with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Patrick
1: Chamberlain, what is your go-to karaoke song and why? I don't have one. Like, I've sang karaoke maybe five times in my whole life, and I don't know that I've ever done it at a bar. I had a friend in high school who had her own karaoke machine, and we would go to her house she to do like it. was like a load of fun. What's your go-to shower song, then? Because I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Like, all of them? I don't know. I sing a lot. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I don't do karaoke. I don't sing. Like, I sing all the fucking time. Right. I was probably singing when you walked in here today. Uh, I'll rock out Taylor Swift every day, all day.
0: Yeah, I... Miley's my my guilty yeah. pleasure. Yeah. I like Halsey, Miley. I'm into the I like female pop.
1: I do too. I don't really like male pop, but I like female pop. I don't I don't think I do either. I can't name anybody. In sync. I do like in sync and Justin Timberlake.
0: I, yeah, I like Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah. That's about These it. aren't like, even guilty pleasures. No, they, like, I'm not I just like them. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I was listening to Ariana when I pulled up today. I don't care.
1: I know you were banging it in the Jeep the other day. I was. was was doing it again today. We're going to take the top off and we're going to do this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Anybody in Joplin's got a problem with me banging Ariana, (laughs) hitting seven rings at the red lights, (laughs) they can go fuck themselves. I really don't care. Charlie Melisca. I've had to debate this a number of times. Assuming they retire at the same time, who gets into the Hall of Fame first, Philip Rivers or Eli Manning? One, both, neither. I honestly think that Rivers has had a much better career, but
1: Eli has two rings. So I agree with you when you say Philip Rivers has had a better career. I think he's the better quarterback, but I think Eli would get in first. Like if you had a decision to make, you're like, all right, we can only let one of these guys in this year. They, they are going to let in Eli first. I do not agree with that. I think if you could go back and undo that trade, I think Philip Rivers leads that team to at least two Super Bowls as well. Like I don't think Eli did anything very special, and Giants fans, maybe you're going to come at me here. But I really like Phillip Rivers, and I'm sitting here as a Kansas City Chiefs fan today. I love Phillip Rivers, though. His career longevity, they've always been injured around him. They've had pieces not work out. Uh, even when they had LT, they struggled to find receivers that could go with him. They had Antonio Gates, but they couldn't find an offensive line. A lot of the members of the defense got hurt. Like It's just never fallen into peace, into place for him.
0: What's also interesting is they're very close statistically. And so I think the rings might be the tiebreaker. So Eli has about 1,300 more passing yards career-wise. Now, I I think Rivers will last a little bit longer. Um, and then when it comes to touchdowns, Rivers has 374, Manning has 360. So they're very, very similar statistically, just Eli has those two rings. And I think that is one thing that could hurt Rivers is when you look at his playoff performances. Because I know, I know several voters, and some of them do vote that way. Like, that's a big part. Part of it for them mm-hmm. Now, I think Eli is going to get hit pretty hard on interceptions, and uh, I believe that Rivers is much better with passing percentage. Rivers is top 10 all time for completion percentage, and I don't think that Eli is
1: anywhere and close. You remember when people said that that funky delivery would never work you know, in the NFL? He'd throw too many interceptions, couldn't complete the ball. Eli's 40th all time for completion percentage. Rivers is 9. Yeah, there you go. And I know that's not like an end-all, be-all stat. It is very telling, though, and yeah. I mean, drops can affect it. A lot can, but I do think Philip Rivers. I think
0: this might surprise you. Phillip Rivers has a higher career completion percentage than Steve Young and Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Okay.
1: The Tom Brady one actually really <laughs> does surprise me. The other two, I it doesn't surprise me that much, even though, I mean, they invented the West Coast offense, which was a lot of check short. down, throw short yards. but
0: I love Philip Rivers. I do, too. Really, really appreciate everything he's done. So, he, River should get into the hall first. I think Eli will.
1: Mm-hmm. What if you threw Roethlisberger into this mix? Roethlisberger gets in first. Do you think that we need to like sit down and talk one day about who, what the better draft class is the 83 quarterbacks or the 04? No. <laughs> who who was in 83?
0: Elway, Montana, Jim Kelly. Never mind. Yep, it wins. Yeah. It's just. But is probably second. <laughs> but 2017. Yeah, At Trubisky, we'll Mahomes, Watson. Yeah. It's too early, but keep an eye on that one. STF, the Ocho. Great account, I think. It I is still a don't fan know. account. I'm pretty it sure it okay. is.
1: I still don't know if they like us. They de- they need to tweet us so we know whether or not we can yeah, really go all like in us? and support them. It's probably just the whole Paw Patrol dude just came up with a new name. And It's the burner account for the Stick to Football Hall of Fame. Which, like, it could happen. I think Dan Barnes needs another burn. Those guys are all fighting, so it's pretty funny right now.
0: Top five movies that you regret spending money
1: and taking time out of your day to go see in a movie theater. So I remember one time you and I went to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was like a kung fu movie, and we were pretty excited about it. Until we got there and realized we were going to have to read subtitles yeah. the whole time. Like, as two kids, you were probably in high school. I don't even think I was in high school yet. I just wanted to see the action. I didn't want to have to worry about reading the subtitles the mm-hmm. whole time. I really like. I would have walked out of that theater.
0: So I have. Ne- I've walked out of a theater one time, and it was because the girl I was dating. We went see Minority Report, and she was like, "This is the dumbest movie ever." We're leaving, and I was like, "Oh well, I'm leaving with this." So um, the worst movie I've ever seen in theaters, and the only time I've been like, "I can't believe I wasted twenty five bucks or whatever," was the the Dark Tower movie. Which (laughs) is, I don't know how many of our loyal listeners know, but like that book series is my favorite. I'm a gigantic Stephen King nerd. And like the the Dark Tower series, I have a huge tattoo of that series on my right arm. And I was so geeked for the movie. And then the casting came out and I was like, God, I don't know about this. And when I went and watched the movie, like myself and several other people booed at the end.
1: (laughs) Like, and I, I, was I so didn't read the books, so I thought the movie was just okay. It felt very rushed, even for somebody that didn't read those books. It felt yeah. like they were fitting all this stuff into one movie when it should have like you tried. You should have tried to make it a trilogy.
0: They're making it a TV series, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, we'll see. You see, it? see uh, <laughs> yeah, the stand is going to be one too. I think they're both a on series? CBS All Access. Yeah. yeah. Not we'll to see. plug CBS, but I think they actually like just bought the rights to all Stephen King books. and like, mm. we're going to make these TV shows.
1: I mean, I would have liked it better or at least felt better about it if it were HBO. Or Netflix. Just because I feel like with Stephen King, putting that on CBS is going to be difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: going to get watered down a little bit. Dakota Cox, who's the biggest candidate for a
0: sophomore slump from the 2018 draft class? I tried to like really think hard about this one and not just be obvious. I think it's Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I don't know how he could possibly come out and have another double-digit sack season. And I know uh, some some of those sacks that he got last year were a little bit more like created by Von Miller, and he just cleaned up. But the dude had 12 sacks last year. Yeah. I don't see that coming again.
1: I could honestly see Saquon taking a dip and going back. I mean, the guy won the Rookie of the Year, uh, but I think that that offense is not going to progress. You lost the best receiver in the NFL. You have an aging quarterback, and even if he doesn't start all year, you have a quarterback that a lot of people thought shouldn't be drafted as high as he was. I am leading the the fan club for Daniel Jones now, but I don't know that he's ready to have success next year, which means that, oh, that he's going to have a lot of pressure on him at the running back position, and that's a very hard job to do if you don't have anybody around you.
0: I could see Sony Michelle. I know he didn't have a ton. He, I think he had like 900 yards rushing, but he was so huge in the playoffs, but he's been banged up. I could see him taking a step back. I yeah. think that's why they drafted Damian Harris in the third round, because they're the, he has to step up. And I'm going to say this one, and I'm not, not trying to be a hater. I want to see everyone have success. I could see Lamar Jackson taking a step back. And I, what he did last year was really pretty impressive. 1,200 passing yards, almost 700 rushing yards. I think he had 11 total touchdowns. Really didn't turn the ball over, but... Like we said earlier, I think defenses might figure him out.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that playing 16 games might be tough for that style of play. Like you even look at Cam Newton, who's like 6'5", 240, 250. It's hard for him to handle getting hit that much at the quarterback position. I mean, he's got so many shoulder problems. And then you look at Lamar Jackson. I mean, the guy probably weighs 210 pounds. He's He's not that big, bulky runner. I still have a lot of questions with that and how it's going to work out.
0: Darius Leonard almost has to take a step back statistically. Yeah, leading the
1: league in, like, tackles. Yeah, like 111 tackles, two picks,
0: and seven sacks. <laughs> That's guess, a career
1: year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if he tops that this year, we maybe he's the best linebacker of all yeah, time.
0: Yeah, right. Then we got to maybe start talking about him as at least the best linebacker in the NFL.
1: So is there anyone that you think could just step up and, like, have a good year? I would like to see Sam Darnold do it. I really I wasn't that impressed with the way he played last year, and he doesn't have a lot of targets around him. So maybe a guy like Le'Veon Bell coming in there taking some pressure off the young quarterback. I would love to see Sam Darnold do it.
0: Same, he was so good at USC. So oh, good. yeah, I, I mean, loved was, him. He was we, my QB one that year. Same, um, but I think he he definitely needs to step up this year. Yeah, I, I'd like I want a healthy Denzel Ward. That's my wish as well because I I love watching him play two more questions. Kevin Molina, besides Grant Delpit, what other safety prospects could go in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft?
1: I don't think any. And the first round makes it tough. I think, is it McKinney out of Alabama? I think he's going to be really good. But even first round, he'd have to have a a really productive year. Like even, because I think he's going to test well. I think he'd have to have a couple interceptions, like four or five. To get into that first round talk,
0: Georgia has uh, LeCount. I think his name is. He's pretty yep. good. Jared Reed isn't. They also have him. Stanford Samuels at FSU is pretty good, but I don't
1: see any of those guys as first rounders. Jordan Fuller from Ohio State. Yeah, he I get that get one. Surprise me, uh, Gilliam is that his name? Out of Notre Dame, Gilman. Gilman. Yes, my computer is not working and won't connect to the internet, which is why I can't look these guys he up right a now. Good job. I'm scrolling but, through a list. Yeah, just <laughs> off the top of my head, like he. Had a lot of tackles last year. Maybe I mean we've seen guys like that fall, or sorry, not fall, but rise into the second round at that strong safety position. Mm-hmm. Seems like the Steelers did it before. Maybe he could get up there if he tests well enough. I, I don't just know feel if he's like Darnell speed.
0: Savage around a four three. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then boom. Yeah, he was the sixth safety on a lot of lists, and then it's like, oh well, he's going first round. Last question, Jeff Jackson the second. If you were starting a new NFL team, what city would you be in? Jersey
1: colors and name. City wise, I I feel like I'm a homer here, but I'm gonna say Austin. I think yeah. that Texas is big enough to support another fan base, or maybe even San Antonio. You know they love football in Texas. The Cowboys have more than enough fans that they could maybe lose some to the western Texas area. So my answer was going to be
0: San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And I would just say the San Antonio Outlaws. And I want them to be like
1: they gotta be black and gold. Uh, Black and gold, I think, is a hard color scheme to beat. Yeah. like When we changed our logo, that's the one that I was kind of fighting for. Oh, yeah. In the school that I teach at, the color scheme is black and gold. There's actually
0: a team in Texas, and it's like a 14 and under, and they're called the San Antonio Outlaws. And I only know that because I Googled it. I was like, I don't know if anybody's using this. And their uniforms are pretty cool.
1: So (laughs) So just take them uh, and graduate them up. It works. Just loop them. And every year that they get older, we'll just bump them up. They'll be a college team for a while. They got like the O's on the shoulders. And then they'll take over as an NFL team. Yeah, but they're black.
0: I think they're black and red. But it looks pretty good. It is black and red. Yeah. Nailed it. Getting smarter. (laughs) I think San Antonio needs a football team.
1: Uh, I don't think we'll see expansion. I think that they're going to be very happy with the 32 teams. And the way that it works out With the playoffs The bye weeks yeah. I don't know that we'll ever Like for a very long time See expansion Put
0: one in San Antonio And one in Toronto
1: Yeah Toronto I mean we should probably Get up yeah. to Canada well, They just won an NBA title They Make them the Mounties And they Had a great fan base And supported that That team very well They really do I don't know what the team name would be
0: Cause like I got I don't either The Maple here. Leafs And the Raptors are taken And I don't really know What else <laughs> To go with there I don't know. This is a great iTunes review for you guys to get involved with, though. What would your team name be? What city? What color? What mascot? Basically, like this, just create a team on Madden. That's what we're asking. (laughs) Team Builder. Team Builder. All right. This is our show. We will be back Friday morning. I believe we're going to have an awesome interview with BR's Matt Hayes, uh, talking about his Willie Taggart and Jimbo Fisher article that came out. Because, oh my God, read that if you haven't. We're going to dive into it with him. We got a fun show planned for you guys. Don't forget, follow BR, BR Gridiron on Instagram. And Twitter and Facebook. We'll talk to you all Friday morning.